Pum 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 pum. Hey everybody, you hear the siren call? It sounds like this. Pum 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 pum. Yes, it's time for coffee with Scott Adams and the simultaneous sip. World famous, really. It's going to be the best coffee with Scott Adams all day until possibly later. And we got lots of stuff to talk about today. And in order to enjoy it to its maximum, um, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen, jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine here of the day, the thing that makes everything better, including the pandemic. It's called the simultaneous hip. And it happens now. Go. <laughs> well, there's so much silly news today that I almost can't stand it. I like the silly news, the stuff that really doesn't make any difference at all to anything. I, I, I'm much less interested in the bad news that really affects people. That stuff's just sad. But let's start at the top. <laughs> Here's a provocative thought for you. If the coronavirus only targeted young males, would the economy have shut down? I say no. Because I think if the only people who were dying were young males, that we would see this like every other war. And we'd say, well, we don't shut down the economy just because we go to war. So it's just a thought. I think that biologically, society considers young males largely expendable. And I actually think that if all of the, if all of the risk had just been young males, I don't think we would have closed the economy. I mean, it's just a thought experiment. I don't know for sure. But uh, I don't think we would have. President Trump is making things interesting by tweeting that he was going to do an executive order Suspending immigration because of the coronavirus. What did people say about that? Did people say, well, from a health perspective, that's a pretty good idea. Did they say that? No, no, they didn't. Um, Did they say, you know, given unemployment is so high, that certainly makes sense. Did they say that? No, 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 they did not. Nope, they called him a racist. Um, Jennifer Rubin always always wants to be first to that. What did she say? She said, uh, so this is Jennifer Rubin. Now, I honestly don't know the real story with Jennifer Rubin. You know, she calls herself a conservative, but she, she only uh, talks smack about President Trump. So I don't know what kind of a conservative she is. And I don't even know if she believes her own stated opinions. And I actually don't know that. I mean, I actually, I don't even have, I'm not even leaning one way or the other. I can't tell. Can you? Do you think that Jennifer Rubin believes her own opinions, the ones that she expresses in public? Because I really can't tell. And I mean that seriously. I honestly, seriously can't tell if she's being serious or if it's just part of the act, part of the show. You know, she's on a team, so she's playing team sport. Can't tell. But let me tell you what she tweeted. 
she talked about President Trump saying he was going to stop all immigration during the coronavirus. And she said, replying to his tweet, no doubt Trump's base is primarily motivated by racism. This is why Trump does this every damn time. And so I ask you this. Have you ever met a conservative who thought that race should determine public policy? I've never met one. Now, obviously, I've met people who are racist, and they come in all types. You know, they're not just white. Um, I don't know if I've met anybody that I wouldn't call a racist on some level, you know, if you know what I mean. You know, when you talk to people privately, no matter what ethnicity they are, they, they tend to express preferences. You know, if you ask anybody of any race, are you a racist, most people will say, no, 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 I'm not a racist. Then ask the same person, would you, do you have any preferences for dating? And they'll say, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, often their preferences for dating are not even their own ethnicity. Ethnicity is quite common for people to say. Um, in fact, I know several women who say they would only date black men. It's just their preference. Now, is that racist? Well, yeah, isn't it? If you, have, if you act in a way that shows preference based on race, that's sort of racist. So I don't know anybody personally who doesn't make their own personal decisions, at least about who they, who they uh, have, um, let's say, mating preferences for. But in terms of anybody who thinks that the world should be organized that way, I've literally never met anybody. Have you? I mean, this is a serious question. I've been you know, deeply embedded talking to Trump supporters of all types. And i got to tell you, People will tell me just about anything privately because I I think people understand I'm not telling people secrets around. So people will reveal things to me because I'm sort of famously non-judgmental. I've had people reveal to me horrible crimes they've committed, horrible things they've thought, horrible things they've done. It all, you know, just goes in the vault, so it's safe to tell me. And I don't judge it. I just think everybody... You know, my opinion is if I really knew everybody's internal thoughts, they should all be executed. You know, everybody should have the death sentence for their thoughts. But we don't do that. There's a good, good reason for that. So I've just never met anybody, a Trump supporter, well, let's just say Trump supporter or a conservative. I've never met a conservative who thought there should be any kind of laws or public rules or guidelines or anything that was based on ethnicity. I've never seen that. And, but Jennifer Rubin believes there's no doubt, she uses the phrase no doubt, Trump's base is primarily motivated by racism. Do you think that's something that somebody could tell from a distance? Do you think, have you met anybody who was primarily motivated by racism? I don't even know if anybody is. <laughs> you know, certainly not conservatives. They're not primarily motivated by racism. I've never met that person. Um, So what I tweeted about that is that if you think you can read the minds of 60 million people and you can see in them that they're primarily motivated by anything, whether it's racism or anything else, if you can think 
that you have no doubt about 60 million people's primary motivation, and you're so certain of that that you will tweet it in public, you are not operating at a high level of awareness. I'm not, I won't say intelligence, because I don't think it's an IQ issue. You know, there's smart people on every, every topic all over the place. But clearly there's an awareness problem. You know, like a, an awareness of reality. How could you go through life, unless she's, you know, again, unless she's just acting. You can't rule out the possibility that, because I can't read her mind, right? So I'm, I'm trying to be consistent with the fact that we don't know what the strangers are thinking. I don't know why she does this. It's actually kind of an interesting mystery to me. But um, anyway, that's enough about Jennifer Rubin. Um, so much going on today. Let's talk about Kim Jong-un. Uh, I tweeted a little Twitter poll today. Who do you think is more likely to be seen in public this week? Kim Jong-un, Joe Biden, or Jeffrey Epstein? It's a pretty close call, isn't it? In the Twitter poll, I think Jeffrey Epstein was the winner. Um, but here's my, here's my take. <clears throat> is it still true that Joe Biden hasn't been seen since Thursday? Can somebody confirm that? Because I keep looking. I'm checking the headlines, and I'm not seeing any links to videos of him. Uh, we'll talk about Kim some more. But... I think Joe Biden is done. Can I, can I be the first one to make this prediction in public? I don't know that anybody else is making this prediction. But my prediction is that at this, at this time in the election cycle, getting as close as we are to election day, I think that not seeing the presumed candidate for the Democrats is really telling you pretty directly that he's being replaced. So I'm going to make this my prediction that you will not see Joe Biden again as a candidate. The next time you see him, if you do, will be to announce that he's dropping out. Pretty bold prediction, right? But can you think of any other reason that Joe Biden would simply not be in public? Because even if he were feeling ill, I think they would tell us. Oh, somebody said video last night. Can we, can we get a, uh, a fact check on that? <clears throat> Somebody says he was interviewed on WDIV Detroit yesterday. Okay. So I will keep my, I'll keep my prediction uh, alive for the future then. So the prediction is a generic one, that if he, goes, if he goes two days without being seen in public between now and the, and the election day, it means something. It, it means that they're... Um, it means that they're getting ready to uh, switch him out. Somebody says they saw videos on his Twitter one to two days ago. Um, so, so I, given that the fact checkers here are correcting me that they have seen him on video more recently, then that doesn't mean what it would mean if he had not been seen. So I'm not, I'm not predicting he's withdrawing from the race if it's true he's been on video in the last two days. It's a conditional prediction. All right. Um, three CNN anchors now have the coronavirus that we know of. Brooke Baldwin, Chris Cuomo, and Richard Quest was just, just announced he has it. 
Are there any Fox News anchors who have the coronavirus? And if not, what's up with that? I see somebody in the comments saying that the, uh, there's a saliva test coming for coronavirus. That would be good. I hope so. Um, but why do three CNN anchors have it and no Fox News anchors? That's just a curiosity. Um, Brooke Baldwin, who, uh, for an interest of full disclosure, um, I've spent time with her husband because he did. He was doing a documentary and he spent an afternoon with me interviewing me. So I know Brooke Baldwin's husband, and um, I've messaged with Brooke a few times. Have appeared on her show, and the messages were mostly about setting up the interview with her husband. Um, so just in terms of full disclosure, I've had some contacts with her, and she's very nice, and her husband is very nice. So that's, that's my bias, is that they're both nice people. Um, politics aside, if you can do that, she wrote a, a great write-up about her experience with the coronavirus that I tweeted maybe yesterday or the day before, but uh, you can also see it on CNN's website. It's really well-written. So you should, you should check it out because it's completely absent of politics. There's no politics in it. It is just a personal account that is really compelling and well-written and absolutely worth your time. All right, um, let's talk about uh, Kim Jong-un. Well, what we know about that is that we don't know anything about it. We don't know anything about Kim Jong-un. So if you think he's dead, or you think he's brain dead, or you think he's alive, it's just a guess. I mean, the best, the best evidence we have is that he didn't attend one event. But, I mean, it's possible he's not attending events just to stay away from coronavirus. So, um, oh, somebody says, uh, Jedediah, um Bila has it on Fox. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, and I, <laughs> and I don't know, uh, did she get it while she was staying home? Well, I guess we wouldn't know. All right. So thank you for that fact check. So there are more famous people getting it. You know, I've said that, uh, personally, I'm not going to get real panicked about the coronavirus and from the health impact part for me personally, until there's one celebrity that I know who dies from it. It has to be under 70, because you know somebody over 70 dying is no surprise. But the first time I hear that somebody famous could be in sports or any, any domain, and, and they're under 70, and they die from the coronavirus, that's when I will get worried, because this is my irrational, uh, you know, the irrational mind. There's no logic to this whatsoever. So what I'm going to say, I'm completely aware is irrational, but it still works. And that is, what are the odds I would be the first famous person to die from the coronavirus? Well, you'd have to, it would be one out of all famous people. How many famous people are there in the world that you and I would all know their names and say, oh yeah, yeah I don't even follow that sport, but I know Tiger Woods, you know, I don't, I don't really watch the Kardashians, but I know who Kim Kardashian is. So there are a lot of celebrities in the world, or a lot of famous people, if you want to use a more generic word, 
Not a single one of them under 70 has died yet. And of all those celebrities, until the first one goes, what are the odds I'm going to be the first one? So that's what I'm thinking. I know it's irrational. I'm just telling you that's how I'm thinking. Um, so I don't, I don't know if we... There's not much to say about Kim Jong-un because I think you just have to wait and see if there's anything there. At one point, there was this report based on a rumor that a Chinese doctor who had coronavirus came in to operate on Kim, and that's where he got the coronavirus. But none of that is checking out. Apparently, there's no evidence for any of that. So, um, but you would think that North Korea would at least show us some uh, signs of life if Kim were in good shape. So I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that he's got some health issues, but that's all we know. Now let us speculate: who would take over? Who would take over if Kim uh, leaves? And um. Somebody says you're famous. <laughs> Google me. <laughs> you can find out for yourself. Um, and I, I was reading uh, uh, Michael Malice's tweet thread. So he, Michael Malice has a book about North Korea. He's visited there, and he's got better insight than uh, 99.9999% of us. So he was saying that uh, there's no clear su- succession. And that you just don't know. And somebody says Joe Diffie was 61, doesn't count, because I didn't know who he was until he died. Um, But I'll acknowledge that you know him, but it doesn't count, because I didn't know who he was. Um, Would it be his sister? Now, I think there's, and I think Michael Mellis said this, that there's a very low chance that a female would be in the leadership ranks in North Korea because they're, they're sexism. So it's very unlikely it would be the sister. So if it's not the sister, and I guess he's only got one, one brother left who isn't interested, so things could get really interesting over there. Things could get really interesting. And it makes you wonder if whoever is next in line would maybe be somebody who didn't have blood on their hands, if that's possible. I don't know if that's possible over there. But imagine if they got a new leader who did not have a reputation for having been involved in some kind of badness that we couldn't really get behind them. What if, what if they come up with a new leader who has sort of a clean slate and has no reputation for having killed anybody? Because that, that's the only leader who could come to the United States and say, hey, how about we work together? Because it would really be hard for any country to fully embrace working with Kim Jong-un, even though we might hold our noses and try, because he has, he has blood on his hands. But what if they come up with a new leader, and either we don't know about any blood on their hands, or there doesn't seem to be any? That's a leader who could say, I think I could work with other countries. Because then we wouldn't be, you know, we, we wouldn't be so uh, concerned about that. Yes, I know John Prine died, but I'd never heard of him either. So it doesn't count unless I've heard of him. Um, I hear Apple is planning to build their 2020 iPhones in Brazil, which I think would be, I think, means moving their at least some of their production out of China. 
You know, Apple is the one I've been watching because people have been saying that there's not going to be decoupling unless Apple does it. Because as long as Apple is happy to make their iPhones in China, I think every other company has cover. Because Apple, you know, they, they do a really good job of positioning themselves as kind of a moral company. You could argue whether that's true or false, but they do a really good job of positioning that way. And if Apple is looking to move their supply chain out of China, it doesn't have to be for political reasons, it could be just to reduce their risk, then that kind of makes it safe for everybody else to do it. So the decoupling is on. Nothing will happen. Nothing could stop it now. Um... Let's talk about Trump's uh, stopping of immigration from a political standpoint. Um, I think the Democrats are going to say, oh, he's going to win this round because his base will love it because it looks like they'll be thinking, well, maybe it'll be permanent. It won't be permanent. But maybe his base will think so, or some of them. Um, So it might help his popularity. His popularity with his base might go up. And it makes it very hard to argue against it because uh, at this point, you know, who exactly benefits from stopping immigration during the coronavirus? I think it's mostly minorities, right? Wouldn't the people who would be helped the most be the people who are competing for those jobs? I mean, it seems to me they're the ones who would be helped the most. So the president's being called a racist for a policy that clearly is strongly weighted toward helping you know, the black population in this country, even the other immigrants who are already here, even the illegal immigrants who are already here. Stopping immigration is good even for the people who don't have you know, documented citizenship because the last thing they want is more people like them <laughs> in the country because they've been competing for the same limited jobs. So it's sort of ridiculous that that in this case, a policy that's clearly primarily beneficial for the minority population in this country is being called racist. But there you have it. It's a political political year. Um, Iran's Revolutionary Guard, the new head, the guy that replaced Soleimani, who was killed in the drone strike. So their new chief, he unveiled a coronavirus detection device that could uh, was a, a huge breakthrough in coronavirus detection. And you might be wondering, why was it being introduced by Iran's Revolutionary Guard instead of some kind of medical group? Well, it turns out that even Iran's own medical people quickly dismissed this device <laughs> as being a fraud. That's right. <clears throat> the guy who replaced the the strategic genius that we killed with the drone. So everybody seemed to think that Soleimani was, you know, hate him or love him, he was sort of a genius and a a master manipulator. I've often said that it does make sense to kill the top terrorist because the number two terrorist often is not as amazing as the number one person. And sometimes you need that number one person to really get things going and keep keep it going. It seems to me that the Iran's Revolutionary Guard chief, the replacement of the genius, Soleimani, is so dumb 
that he fell for a fake a fake device that was probably a shoebox full of twine that he thought could detect coronavirus from a distance. That's the guy who's the head of their revolutionary guard, that he fell for a hoax that there was a device that apparently the same device had been used in other hoaxes. It was even a, it was even a retread of a hoax. So... Yeah, somebody says it's a hydrocarbon detector or something. I don't know what it is, but uh, or maybe that was what the other the other hoax was. So I don't think we have to worry about Iran's revolutionary guard employing genius strategies against us, because it doesn't look like they have a genius running it. So what I'm saying. Um. There's a weird little story about Chris Cuomo uh, breaking quarantine, because, of course, he has the coronavirus. And there's a story that he went and visited some other property he owns that was under construction, and he got in an altercation with a, uh, a bicycler who recognized him and thought he should be in quarantine. And if that's true, then people are wondering... What is this video of Chris Cuomo emerging from his basement for the first time if he's been driving around? (laughs) If he's been driving around to places and visiting, is he really emerging from his basement for the first time in weeks? And uh, here's my spin on it. Reality TV is not exactly reality TV, if you know what I mean. Um... Reality TV is always a little bit scripted, right? If you watch any reality TV show, all of the people involved have a little idea where the producers want them to go. They might go in their own way, but the, you know, the producers uh, know where they want it to go. So when Chris Cuomo on a video emerged from the basement of his house, I guess his older daughter was videoing it, his reunion with his other daughters and his wife upstairs. And, of course, they couldn't hug or kiss or anything because he's, he's still showing a little distance. But it was filmed as though it was the first moment that he had emerged from his basement. But is that a lie? Is it a lie? Because there's this other video of him being on the bicycle. Or not a video of him, but there's a report that he was out of his basement and going somewhere. I'm going to rank this as um, gray area. I rank it as gray area. Because the way the Chris Cuomo emerges from his basement video was um, presented, it could be interpreted as simply the first time he's gone upstairs, where his family is. Now, I don't know if he had to go upstairs to get out of the house, but it could be interpreted as it really was the first time he was sort of in the same room with his family in two weeks. That could be, which would be true enough, honestly. You know, for for my personal standards, that would be true enough. Remember, I'm, I'm the guy who says that when President Trump uses hyperbole, you know, calling it a lie sort of making too much of a big deal about it, because you, know you know it's exaggeration. If you just understand that, you don't really need to fact-check it if you understand what it is. Likewise, 
if it's true that Chris Cuomo got in a, you know, drove his car somewhere to get out of the house, maybe his parent, maybe his family was there in a separate car. You don't know. You don't know what the story was. Um, and just visited a property, kept his distance. You know, we don't. There was no report that he was getting close to anybody, right? So if in fact he left his house, visited a property, kept his distance went back to his house, but the only time he'd ever gone upstairs in his own house was the video we saw. Nah, it's close to reality. I'll give him a pass on that. So in, in, the, uh, in the realm of news and reality, it's close enough to true. It's close enough, right? You know he wasn't upstairs all week. It's close enough. I give him a pass. Um... I have a theory that all it will take for online education, which got a big boost, of course, from everybody staying home from school, etc., I think that the only thing that's left for it to really just replace education in person in a classroom is a search engine. I think all you would need is a search engine that could find any class on a topic across all platforms. So right now there are a bunch of um, siloed teaching platforms, and there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. You could you could find that with a search engine, but it would just be the YouTube stuff. I don't think you could easily search and compare. So what I, what I'd be looking for is something like Yelp for online education. You know, I want to go onto a site and say I would like to learn, you know, I don't know, data security or something. And, or, or geometry or take an English grammar class or whatever. And I want to type into the search engine, and I want it, like a Yelp review, I want it to tell me all the, all the videos on that, all the classes you can find online, and then where to find them. So in some cases, I might have to sign up for Udemy or you know, any one of dozens of different online you know, uh, colleges, but I'd know which one I needed, and they don't cost much to sign up. So you could create, you could, uh, you know, if you said, oh, darn it, I've got to take one class from this online platform and pay money for it. I have to take this other class from another online platform and I'd have to be a subscriber to that too. But you're not talking about much money. You're talking about, you could Google it, but you wouldn't get reviews. Um, so it's the reviews. It's, it's, it's knowing which ones are the good ones that makes the makes it good. Yeah, so the Khan Academy, etc. So so there are lots of places you could find things, but there's no one place where you can search for I want a class on this topic and get a list across platforms with reviews. Because uh, I don't think people would mind signing up for let's say Udemy for whatever it is per month, because you can pay for the whole month and it's, you know, dozens of dollars. I don't know what it costs. It's a pretty low amount. Um, and it would be cheaper than going to college by so much that it would still be worth it. Anyway, that's what I think. Um, apparently, according to Ken Moore, who tweets out that Peter Thiel's company, Palantir, uh, has created dashboards that are a single source for health officials to track supply chain stuff for PPE and ventilators and so on. So you know I was, I was shouting from the early days of the coronavirus, 
where's my dashboard so that I don't have to listen to the task force give numbers out of context. I can just look at it and say, oh, these hospitals are low on PPE, but here's the pipeline and I know what's going on. So I guess Peter Thiel's company did that. In the article that also was interesting, I guess Thiel pulled back his employees from overseas earlier than basically anybody. So why is it that Peter Thiel can see the future and we can't? <laughs> well, how does he keep doing this? You know, I mean, the reason that Peter Thiel's a billionaire and you're not is that he could see things early, right? He invested in Facebook early, etc. And, and he did it again. So he, I guess his company was like the first one to pull their employees back to the United States you know, in February. And I thought to myself, is it a coincidence is it a coincidence he keeps seeing the future and you don't? Probably not. Um, all right. Let's see. What else we got going on here? What's up with the lack of Antifa? Are you surprised that Antifa... Uh, are you surprised that Antifa is not protesting the shutdown of the economy? Because what could be more fascist, according to them, than the government overruling pretty much everything in civil liberties and you know, talking about you know, chipping us and putting ankle bracelets on us and armbands and you know, carry IDs and stuff, which, by the way, I don't think these are all bad ideas. I'm just wondering why Antifa doesn't. Is there some reason Antifa is so quiet. <laughs> yeah. Um, somebody says it's because schools are closed. Maybe. Maybe if a lot of them are college kids, that could be part of it. Um, but you would think this is when they should be most active. And it just kind of shows that it, it was always a fake organization in the first place. Partly fake in the sense that probably funded by outside sources, and also fake in the sense it was more of a lifestyle movement. It was about the fun of the event as much as it was about politics, I think. That's my personal opinion, based on hearing interviews with at least one person who was a member who confirmed that, in his opinion, and the people he talked to in Antifa, a lot of it was lifestyle. It wasn't even about the end, end result. Um, late last month, this was from, I think, uh, Fox News report, the Trump administration officials ignited a quest to root out suspected spies from prominent U.S. media outlets. And don't you wonder how big a deal that is? How big a deal are Chinese spies or just foreign spies in general at our big media outlets, including the, you know, the social media platforms plus the news? How big a deal do you think that is? No, I don't know. I don't know how big a deal it is. But I've, I've said before, and I'll reiterate, that you should expect that in the long run, I don't know how long the real long run is, I don't know if we're in the long run or approaching the long run, but in the long run you should expect all of the social media platforms and news platforms to be essentially captured by intelligence services. Because it's too valuable not to. It would be crazy 
if the it would be crazy if our CIA is not trying to capture foreign news entities, at least the ones that are not owned by their own government. It would be crazy if other foreign entities are not trying to put spies into our platforms. And given that they have so much to gain, and and they can lose a spy now and then, you know, nobody's going to stop spying because a spy got caught. So from the perspective of a foreign country, there's this gigantic thing to be gained if you can get some control of any of any parts of the media in another country, gigantic gains to be had with no risk at all. Because we catch spies all the time and you just sort of ship them home or you send some diplomats home, but basically we don't do anything. We don't do anything. So it's a, it's a free slap. So what are the odds that China and Russia and who knows who else, what are the odds that they're not already deeply embedded into our social media and news platforms? It would be crazy to assume it's not already happening. And if it hasn't already happened completely, my prediction is it has to happen in the long run. There, there's, no, there's no force to counterbalance it. It's like a you know, if the, if the agencies try to get in and control any given platform and it doesn't work on the first try, what are they going to do? If the first attempt doesn't work, they're not going to stop. <laughs> There's nothing that would stop them. They would just try again. Different person, different way. So given that the intelligence agencies have so much to gain... Nothing to lose that would stop them. I mean, they can lose spies, but that doesn't stop a spy agency. That's part of the deal. You should just assume that they will all be co-opted by intelligence agencies. I don't, I don't see how it could go any other way because there's no counterbalance. You can't catch them all, and there's too much to gain. All right. Um, I think I've talked about everything I wanted to talk about today. I believe I have. Somebody says, why forget Israel? Um, Israel is in the category of uh, everybody else in the world who has a good intelligence agency. You should assume that all of our allies are also trying to influence our social media. So why would, uh, why would Israel be any different? It would be crazy if they didn't try. Uh, likewise, it would be crazy if France and Great Britain weren't trying a little bit to influence us. Uh, somebody says, where's Adam Schiff? He's been kind of quiet, hasn't he? Isn't it weird that all of the Russia collusion stuff and whatever's going to happen with Durham and you know who may or may not go to jail? Oh, I have, I have a question about that. I'm wondering about... So we're all expecting that you know the coronavirus is sort of um, keeping the regular news from coming at us as quickly as it would. And so we're not really watching as much as we normally would events with the whole um, steel dossier and the Russia collusion and stuff. And I was wondering what the penalty would be if anybody at a high level got convicted for trying to overthrow the President of the United States. Um, Is there a penalty for that? And I'm just going to Google it right now. Um, So 
So treason would be if you levied war against your own country, in this case the United States, or adheres to their enemy, giving them aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere, is guilty of treason and shall suffer death, or shall be imprisoned not less than five years. Okay, so that was the question I wanted to have an answer to, because I was wondering if it's always the death penalty. Uh, apparently it's not, it's not the death penalty necessarily. Uh, so it could be uh, over five years, so it says not less than five years, or you could be fined uh, but, and fined. So you could be fined and five years. Not necessarily death. But I don't know if it would be considered treason unless our intelligence agencies were working for the benefit of an enemy. Um, uh, whoever owing allegiance levies war against them or adheres to their enemies. So I guess enemy would be the key word here. And there's, there's probably lots of constitutional law and stuff that I don't know about that. So, oh, somebody's saying sedition. All right, sedition. Let's see what the penalty for sedition is. Or even what it is. I'm not even sure I know what sedition is. It's a serious, uh, it's a serious felony punishable by fines and up to twenty years in prison. It's the act of inciting revolt or violence against a lawful authority with the goal. Oh, okay, yeah, it's punishable by fines and up to twenty years in prison. Yeah, so that would certainly fit the definition of what we believe to be true about the Steele dossier. That did look like it was. Um, wait, no, is it? It didn't look like it was inciting a revolt. Depends if the revolt has to be violent. Can a can a bloodless coup be the result of sedition? I don't know. So I guess we got lots of questions on that. I was just wondering if it was literally possible that any of the any of the people involved in the Steele dossier and the Russia collusion hoax. I was wondering if any of them had at least a risk of the death penalty, and I would say not. It looks looks like not. Yeah, apparently an internal coup against the president doesn't get you the death penalty, according to our laws. Um, did you hear the hot mic moment? Yeah. So uh, there was an open mic when John Roberts of Fox News was waiting for the task force or somebody to come on. And he was chatting with, uh, I guess the tech was working the AV. And they were chatting. And somehow, I I listened to the whole thing, and somehow people believe there's something in there that's like a new conspiracy theory. Because the the tech guy said that they'd all been vaccinated because they were joking about coronavirus uh, exposure. And uh, the guy said they'd all been vaccinated. To which I said... What vaccination? So it should be seen in the context of two people who knew each other who didn't think anybody was listening, except whoever was in the room, and they were just talking crap. All right. So I don't know what the tech guy meant when he said we've all been vaccinated, but it was probably a joke. And uh, then John Roberts said something about the, the, the news, is that it, the thing might be less deadly than we thought, but of course, uh, here's the problem with. 
I, I feel like I'm going to say something that's as obvious as when I said face masks obviously work, even when every medical expert on TV was telling you they didn't. And I was still saying, no, I'm pretty sure they work. This feels like another one of those situations. Um, the news that we're hearing is that if it's true that the coronavirus is far more widespread than we think, then that would also mean it's a relatively weak virus, meaning it doesn't kill many people as a percentage. And it might not kill any more people than the regular flu, uh, at least during, during the lockdown it doesn't. But if you have one that's the same deadliness as the regular flu, but it's far more viral, correct me if I'm wrong, super viral but only kills the same percentage of people as a regular flu is still super bad compared to the regular flu. Can anybody fact check me on that? Is that not screamingly obvious that there's no good news from the fact that lots of people have it without symptoms? There's no good news in that, right? Am I wrong? Because everybody's acting like that's good news and I don't see any good news. I see something that's exactly as deadly as it is because it's filling up ER rooms and ICUs and we're also looking at a situation with full, you know, um, full mitigation. So I think everybody on television who says, hey, lots of people have it without symptoms, therefore it's not that dangerous, I think they're just wrong, Right? that it's exactly as dangerous as we thought. Uh, Look at the comments. You'll see people saying you're wrong, and you'll see people saying uh, you're not wrong. And and somebody somebody says it's just math, right? I think it is. I think it's just math, that it's just as bad, no matter what we find about how many people have it without symptoms, I think. All right, I've got to go get ready for a podcast with... uh, Uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw. Don't you want to watch that? Uh, It'll be recorded, I believe, so I'll tell you when it is. But don't you want to see me, uh, uh, Dan Crenshaw, interview me on his podcast? Come on. You know you want to see that. You know you want to see that. i got to go get ready for that. And I'll talk to you tonight. You know when.